And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the part if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, player. She. Welcome to Anything is Possible! The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. You can learn more at directtv.com. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I'm joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And Jay King is rocking the headband. He just came off the Peloton. He told me he was putting in work there, and he's ready to put in work on the podcast. And if you can tell, I'm a little bit jacked up. The season you back, are baby. Jacked up right now. You're really fired up. Because we actually have things to talk about. We like nothing of actual substance, but like the players talked, the coaches talked, they actually practiced. It's not just speculation about who's going to be the 15th man on the roster. We got we got some substance here. I'm back. The C's are back. I'm back. And Jay, I'm ready to put in work. I'm glad you're ready to put in work. Hard work, work. Are the Celtics ready to put in work? It would seem so. It seems like they are uh, kind of rejoicing the ability to, kind of, although Brad Stevens hasn't left, um, they might enjoy the fact that they're playing for a new coach. I, at least that, I wasn't able to watch all of the media day stuff, but that was my biggest takeaway, um, just seeing all the comments from Celtics media day. is just like, people are pretty excited, one, about this team, uh, specifically like all the new guys they brought in, but then there's also some excitement just like, this is kind of new. We got a new coach. We have like we have a new opportunity here. But what would you say if you had to publicly speak about your your new boss? Yeah, I'm, you'd be would, I, up too. You'd be you'd be raving. Well, yeah, well, are you saying that the the excitement wasn't genuine on their parts? No, I, I think I think they are excited. I think they have respect for Ime Odoka. Uh, I think that they are ready for. They're eager for a fresh start after last season, um, and I. Obviously, they have a new coach. Obviously, the roster looks a lot different. Um, but I think even if they had come back with Brad Stevens as a coach and with a similar roster, they would have been itching to get ready and kind of get the taste of last season out of their mouths. Okay, but what's the biggest difference, I guess? Well, this is the first time we really uh, have seen Ime in a while. It's just a noted difference in like kind of tone from Ime. Also, a, noted, a different tone from Brad, who felt like, he was a lot more relaxed than he normally is at press conferences, but like you were there, you were, were you actually at the kind of weird uh, production studio? They make the media. I day? was, I oh, was there. What was it like to be in person? So like, tell me what this newness is like. It's great, man. I mean, after 
a year and a half of Zoom calls and being away from the team, it is so nice to actually have be able to be in the same room as guys and sit down and talk to guys. And it's it's not normal, but it's a lot more normal. And I think the coverage will be a lot better this season than it was last season, just because we're getting better access and we're able to talk to players again. Like it's, it was really nice. It's I'm fired up. I'm motivated. I'm like you are honestly, I'm, I'm really excited for the season uh, from a standpoint of like after a year and a half of being relatively useless at my job, because I was just on zoom calls from my couch. A lot of the time, like being able to go to practices and talk to guys and do the job right. is just really nice. It is funny that there's like all of this time and then uh, Ime Yudoka was still not in person on uh, Celtics Media Day, had to do a Zoom call. But I just thought it was interesting. Like he talked about his main talking point was on selfishness. And he kind of talked about, he kind of threw Brad under the bus a little bit and talking about uh, the Celtics offense last year. I think their quote was, or something, I'm clearly paraphrasing here that when he reviewed tape of Celtics games last year, he knew that once they uh, stopped the initial action, you're going to go one-on-one, which shows you that Ime Adoka was watching Celtics games last year because that feels uh, pretty accurate. Uh, but I just thought it was uh, interesting to kind of hear him uh, say that. He's done it before, talking about how important passing is and how that team needs to improve. But that was like his his very first talking point was what he is about is unselfishness. Yeah, and I think one of the – Differences that have stood out to me, at least, is all the players are, are they say Ime is just a straight shooter and he'll tell you what I think Ennis Cantor said, he'll tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And so, one of the things that stood out to me, like he did sort of throw Brad under the bus. And going back to the Al Horford role in Philadelphia, he did sort of throw Brett Brown under the bus, saying Al Horford could play with Joel Embiid, Al Horford was totally capable of doing that. We put him in bad situations. We didn't allow him to play well and thrive off Joel Embiid. Um, and and after eight years of Brad, I don't think he even like inadvertently said a single bad word about anybody. Like he he went so far out of his way not to take shots at people that sometimes it was awkward and and he would. He was basically taking shots at people by like deliberately yeah. not taking shots at them. Yeah, and so. Obviously, like we're not there for how Brad gives his message to the players, and I'm sure he was very upfront with what he wanted from them. But I, I do think Udoka um, is a little bit more. I don't want to say abrasive because it's not abrasive. It's just kind of saying obvious things. But he's he's more willing to go there. Um, where more direct, always, more willing to avoid en- that. Yeah, more more direct about it, and willing to engage at in least conflict. publicly. Yeah. But I also think privately, um, it seems like the players, or at least in their comments, I think Jalen Brown said he's like, he's looking forward to be coached hard by Yudoko, which is just like not something that was really there. Like Brad Stevens would get angry uh, and stuff, but he like, they specifically mentioned that Ime's ability to hold guys accountable and ability to connect and like coach them in a different manner, they, they see as beneficial. It could be like you say, like, you know, it's the first day of work. They're just trying to be spin everything positively. But it did feel like that's the biggest uh, contrast in styles. And also, I think a lot of the players don't really – I mean, some of them have played for Udoka before. Um, but, like, he was gone in Tokyo for a large portion of the summer with the Olympic team. He had COVID and was self-isolating for 10 days. 
So he hasn't spent a lot of time around these players. So they're just kind of getting to know him. And the team is just kind of getting to know him. Uh, one of the things that stood out today was Jalen Brown just said the pace of at practice was was really impressive. And he, they want to play fast this year. And I think that's always been something that Brad stressed too. I think maybe what's different now is that they have Schroeder and they have Richardson and they have a lot of athletic guards um, that can really push the pace and and on top of Tatum, Brown, Smart. Uh, and then Brown Brown pointed out too, like they've got bigs who can handle the ball and pass a little bit, which is a little different than when they had Tristan Thompson out there. So, oh yeah, I, I know I know you like that <laughs> Tristan Thompson dig. Uh, oh, I did. I think totally it's, unnecessary it, Tristan Thompson dig. But we're all here for totally unnecessary uh, Tristan Thompson slander. It, uh, it's it's direct confrontational season. Yeah, we we got to call out people. We got people that have to be held accountable. And Tristan Thompson was bad last year, and I don't think rolled to the rim once. Now, I'm going to hold myself accountable and say that was hyperbole uh, because he did, in fact, do that. But I think the thing that with Jalen talking about playing fast is another thing that's like a kind of a theme that's uh, come up the past couple of days is just talking about how good this defense can be. And if their defense is doing a good job of creating turnovers, they're obviously going to play faster. And like that's how this team is going to be win, like win many games. They're, that's going to be their identity is being – uh, a defensive team. And I think that was like clear in a lot of the player comments uh, on day one and even some of the comments just coming out of the first two days of practice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the first two days of practice, but <laughs> w- one thing that was different um, when they opened up practice to the media for literally like a minute, uh, one of the things they did was at the end of practice, um, they shot free throws to see if they were going to run sprints. And I don't, I don't remember Brad ever having the Celtics do that. Maybe he did it during a training camp in the past while we weren't able to watch, but I don't think I ever watched one of Brad Stevens' team do a sprint. And obviously, they were running. Obviously, they were in good condition. Um, and some of the players said like they, they had a, a training camp um, tradition back then where he would put two players, two teammates together, and they had to like race with each other. Um, so it would be like Avery Bradley and one of the slower players. Avery Bradley like Jared <laughs> Sellinger, I think. And like they would race. Um, so they did run, but it was just a different. And so it's it's a different feel, a different vibe. But I, I still think Ime, you know, he's about all the same things. With e- everything that he's said, it kind of sounds a lot like Brad would say. I want unselfishness. I want guys passing the ball. I want to play fast. I want to – he did say I want a disruptive defense. Um, but it's not like Brad was like, we want a lackadaisical defense. And also Ime, the other thing he stressed like – we have a bunch of versatile lineups and we can do a bunch of different things. It's like that has all been Brad. all, all Brad. Brad stuff. It's like, oh, the team that Brad constructed, you can do go really big. You can go really small. You can do a bunch of different things out there. So as much of a, a contrast as I'm trying to generate, because it's a good uh, talking point to lay off the podcast, it seems like there's still an organizational philosophy. Brad is still, you know, there and in charge and is the guy who constructed the roster. Of course. And of course it's like Brad. Brad hired him. Like Brad. <laughs> Brad was going to hire a guy that shared all of his values and philosophies. And, and so he may, everything he said about the team, what he wants is just kind of Brad, but it's also just kind of every coach. Like who doesn't want an unselfish <laughs> team? Who doesn't want a team? That, that we want our team to be selfish and uh, lazy on defense. Yeah. Yeah. So and then, I think the then idea- he said, he's going to, he's going to stagger Tatum and Brown. Which so, is like makes sense. You, you want your two to. best players out there, there for the entire time. Have to. I mean, I guess you don't really have to because the bench will probably have, you know, at least three established veterans. 
Um, so you wouldn't 100% have to, but I think the the way the roster is mapped out, like staggering Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, it was a pretty obvious decision um, after losing Kemba Walker and that offensive firepower. I mean, it's. I feel like it's something that happened a fair like not every single game, yeah. but it happened a fair yeah, amount most last of the time year. last year. Yeah, yeah. So that's not like major news. I think the other thing that it's not again not news breaking, but just like definitives talk that like Marcus Smart is the starting point guard, and you actually got a little one on one interview with Marcus, which probably is like your first one on one in person in the longest time. But Smart seems very willing and ready and wanting to be the starting point guard and just wanting to kind of like just make things easier, like embracing that role of point guard distributor and make things easier for uh, Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown. Yeah, it was funny because I didn't bring up like any of the criticism that he gets. Of he course you didn't. <laughs> he, was, he was just kind of like, I, I've been heard the criticism. I've been heard the guys that that say I shoot too much and take possessions away from those guys. And he said basically like, I just want to make the game easier for those guys. Um, and that he's told them like, Lean on me so that when you do have to go one-on-one and create your own shots late, you have more energy, which I, I thought probably the right thing to do. Um, and, like, they're gonna, the Celtics are going to need Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to make one-on-one plays. They're very gifted at it. They're, they're going to do that. Um, but I think if they can, you know, limit the, the burden on those guys, especially the way the roster is, because I, I do think there's going to be a lot on those guys' shoulders this season that – any way they can make the game easier is is great and and so smart wants to do that um i'm really interested to see how that plays out i I think cleaning the glass said that um he's the most he's played point guard in a season before is 27 percent, and i know those are like estimations um but if he is the primary ball handler most of the time and he is running the offense like he did leave the celtics in assists last year and he's very gifted at running pick and roll um, and then the other thing he pointed out was that he made talk to him a lot about how much he created against the Nets in the playoff series and how he got downhill and created for himself and others. And he did. And I, I think that's that's one area Smart has really improved since his time coming to the league. Like when he was early in the league, if, if teams switched, he had a lot of trouble with it. Like he couldn't didn't know what to do to beat a big guy on a switch. Um, but I think he's gotten a lot better at that. And so he's far more equipped now probably to run the point guard position full-time than he would have been if he had to do it as a, as a rookie second year guy. Um, but we'll see. I mean, that's going to be a new look for the Celtics. They don't have an all-star point guard for the first time in a long time. Yeah. It, he did do a much better job. I, I can remember that Brooklyn series of just like getting downhill, creating for himself, like you said, especially when like all the attention was on Tatum. And so it's going to be interesting to see. I think it's all going to come down to decision-making. And this is actually the second comment we've had. We, had. we did address Jay's headband at the top of the podcast, but I'll reiterate it now. It's because the man's ready to put in work. The man's ready to sweat, uh, and the man's ready to get back on that grind, on the Peloton, uh, on Tom. writing for The Athletic, and on anything as potable. I saw the video of myself playing Packard one-on-one and realized how fat I was and that I needed to lose weight, get in shape. So I, I just got home from Celtics practice, hopped on the Peloton, and now I'm fucking ready. I'm ready for <laughs> podcast. I'm ready to go. I, I did not have any time after my workout. I just plopped down, and here I am. The Peloton juices are here. still flowing. I mean, coming off a great interview with Marcus Smart, where he also revealed 
uh, that one, he thought Brad was likely to leave, which was kind of uh, wildly out of left field, and that he almost turned down the large extension he uh, uh, signed this summer. Like, was that shocking to you when he said the, the, both of those things? Especially the Brad part was surprising to me because he made it pretty clear that that Brad gave off the impression that he was done. And he also said Brad only came back basically for the team to, to give it one more shot. He said with the team. Um, so that's not something that I knew. <laughs> that's not something that like to, to me, that was a shock. I had no clue that Brad was going to leave coaching. I thought Danny might leave as president of basketball operations, but there was no chance. I thought that Brad Stevens would leave coaching, but Marcus thinking that he would and thinking that he would have done it even if he hadn't been able to step up into the president of basketball operations was very interesting. And then it also kind of adds another layer to last season, you know, like if players, at least if at least Marcus Smart knew that Stevens was done and Stevens knew that he was done, then it adds another. It makes it harder of, to buy into a COVID riddle season and everything that went wrong. Kind of makes a little bit more sense in that context. Yeah, and, and if if that is true, it could have been Marcus just saying like that's that's what I thought and saying, you know, like it could have been just him. Although he did say it was based on conversations with Brad that he he formed that impression. But it also like that COVID season was so tough and the previous COVID season in the bubble was so tough mentally on guys. And I, I know I've heard that Brad was very disappointed that first of all, he had to be away from his family for as long as he was in the bubble. And second of all, he came back and the COVID protocols last year were just very difficult for everybody to deal with. Uh, it limited what you could do with your families. It limited what you could do when you were home. It limited everything. And so I do think that was really hard on guys. And if if it's that hard and if you're going – the Celtics had a ton of injuries, obviously. They had a lot of COVID cases. They had a lot of bad luck. But when all those things happen, like, you have to dig really deep to to be a better team. And, and they never really did that last year. And I think if they knew their coach was gone and Kemba might have figured that he might be gone and there, there could have been a lot of guys that were like, okay, like, let's just not mail it in, but – like, this is a doomed season, and let's try it again next year, you know? It kind of felt like a doomed season about halfway through uh, last year, and despite my claiming that the top seven never played together, um, it never really felt like uh, – actually, no, that's not true, because I remember we had a whole podcast where I, de- I declared that the vibes were thoroughly unfucked, but that apparently um, – I didn't have the full inside information that uh, Marcus Smart had about Brad possibly leaving. Uh it's interesting. Also interesting, he said he almost turned down $77 million. Um, it sounds like that's, I don't know, I read the quote as like, that's kind of like a lot of talk and something you can say after you do accept the contract. But like, yeah, I wanted more, but I don't know. I thought that was just Marcus Smart kind of doing some uh, some posturing. So he he said that first, and I, I asked him directly. I was like, so so you almost turned that, that extent? Like, you really gave considerable thought to turn down that extension? He said, yeah. He said, there are a lot of guys who aren't as good as I am, basically that make more money than that. And, and that's probably true. Like there are, there <laughs> These are guys, guys that I've, who, the guys that he's dominated that yeah, make he more did, money he than He him. did say dominated. Um, and so, and it wasn't like he, he wanted a ton more money. Like, I, I mean, it's 15, 13 million 
more. He said at least 90 million. So, but it, it wasn't like totally out of the ballpark. And so the Celtics were probably a little fortunate that, you know, he, he agreed to the maximum contract extension and didn't end up going into free agency a year from now. And, you know, the, the extension rule, which is that you can only offer a player a contract that begins at, I believe it's 120% of his previous salary, um, kind of saved them uh, a little bit of loot because then he was um, willing to sign for less just to to kind of take that security, uh, less than what he thought he was worth because, to take that security and, and you know, Link it up, link it in long term. So he's back. Link it in? You mean he's, lock it in long term? He's lock gonna link it, it in. Lock it in. Lock it in. <laughs> we are linked in right now after a couple of days of Celtics practice. I thought another thing that was interesting came out today was Jalen Brown spoke to the media and talking about his relationship with Jason Tatum. And I really can't tell how much of this is a been a media contrived thing or how much of this is an actual like. I don't know if I was going to say issue, but I've heard rumblings in the past that like those two guys don't really get along. You're and, talking about the Jeff Goodman comment. Uh, yes, the that Jeff, they're not friends, but they. But even he said like they get along fine. They're, but I've heard I've heard other rumblings uh, that basically say that they're like not friends and they like. And basically, Jalen addressed that directly um, today, talking about how like the the two guys very much respect each other. Um, which, you know, you'd expect them to say, but he's also said things about like, we don't have to be Batman and Robin. We could just be two like basketball players. Was, was that just directly at Kendrick Perkins? Cause he's the one who always brings up the Batman and Robin stuff. Um, but yeah, I really don't think there, there are a lot of comments pitting. I think Jalen said the media likes to pit him and Jason Tatum against each other. Like, I don't think that's very true. People call them the Jays. People talk about how they're the two stars. People, you know, they they took some criticism last year when the Celtics were bad, but that's just what happens when you're a star player and your team finishes 500. And so I don't know if there's this, you know, active movement to to split them apart or act like they're there's they're nothing not. in public other than those jeff goodman comments and then i hear the rumblings maybe Jalen brown hears the rumblings too but like one i don't think it matters like i don't yep. think they like just from being in the locker room with both of them i don't think they're like best friends but i absolutely don't think it's like an uh, animosity in that relationship um but they've proven to be pretty good at being on the basketball court together at the same time like I don't know what the numbers are, but I'm sure like last year. When have, last year weren't as good, but for like the first half of last year, I think they were close to like plus eight points per 100 possessions with those guys on the court before everything kind of fell apart. Um, and in the past, like they've always been very, very good with those two guys on the court. Obviously, on they're the rare duo of stars that does it on both sides of the court. Like they're both very versatile defenders. They They can both shoot. They can – they're both athletic. They're both long. And so that, that allows them to be kind of interchangeable and help each other out. Uh, I do think last year the Celtics learned what types of teammates those guys need. And and I think part of that is adding more passing around them. Part of that is adding, you know, higher energy guys around them to, to kind of 
lift up the the spirits of the team. But I think as far as two guys who can play together and they've won a lot of games together. They've been um, pretty successful. And like they you need two guys. Like in this modern day NBA, like you need at least two. You don't hear comments about like James Harden and Kevin Durant. Like, can they be on can they coexist on the same team? I think at first you did though. Not anymore because they just Yeah, you did hear there's like there's only one ball, but like you it's pretty pretty well established, at least in this era of the NBA, that like you need multiple stars to be a contender and that like I just don't think that like one ball argument really applies anymore. Like it just is like you if you want to be it like a very good team in this league, you need multiple stars. Maybe like if your styles don't mix, like maybe you're uh have one who's like a back to the basket, like post up center, and then you have this other guy who's maybe six ten, a great defender, but uh can't shoot at all and needs to be attacking the basket. Maybe if you have like uh two guys like that. They don't get really uh, have synergy on the court, but Jalen and Jason are both just like very versatile wings who can do everything. There's no reason like them being on the court has any like takes away from either of their games. That said, the Celtics need to need them to elevate and need at least one of them to elevate to a place where they're flat out one of the elite elite players in the game, like tier one type players. And if that doesn't happen, then this roster will probably always fall short of a championship. If that does happen, the Celtics will have a chance to to put the right type of contender together. And and obviously, like that's a lot of pressure on Tatum and Brown, but that's how it is in the NBA. You, like the Nets have KD and they have James Harden and they have Kyrie Irving. The Bucks have Giannis and they have Chris Middleton. The Sixers have Joel Embiid and Joel Embiid. So, you know, then you look at the Lakers, whatever. Like, everybody needs two two guys, at least one who's elite, elite MVP candidate type. And the Celtics haven't – young Celtics players haven't gotten to that level yet. Uh, C's need them to. And the I thing that's funny about, a lot. about the Batman and Robin quote is that, like – it's kind of the Robin saying that they don't need to be a Batman and Robin. Like it's obvious that there's a tier between uh, Tatum and Jalen Brown. But uh, so a Robin would say that we don't need to call someone Batman and Robin. You don't hear Batman saying that. I love that. Yeah. Batman's like, yeah, I'm I'm fucking Batman. (laughs) Yeah. Tatum Tatum probably saw that comment later. It was like, yeah. Maybe, maybe we need to do this. Like it's clearly there is a hierarchy, but uh, I just thought it was interesting. Those comments uh, after the, um, after practice today clearly after two days of practice i mean uh, jason tatum and jalen brown are you batman or robin in this relationship are you yeah, on this podcast are you batman or robin i think i'm batman you're alfred bitch okay then who's batman in this situation and I'm then both who's batman you're both, and both robin. batman and robin you think that highly of yourself and you're both the duo <laughs> and you're an inanimate object and but i'm, I'm the host i, and, I do um, I think whatever, if you were just talking about Celtics coverage, you would be the Batman. Yeah. But for uh, for this program, I'm Batman. You're Robin. I'm the one asking you questions. I'm in charge. I do all the intro. I don't see how that's not Batman behavior. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. 
Head over to MichelobeUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Oh, speaking of superheroes, Ennis Cantor compared the centers to the Power Rangers. I mean, I don't remember much about the Power Rangers. I was I was young when I watched that that show. It's not a good comparison. You want to know why? Because the Power Rangers would come together and form like a super bean, and if all the centers have to play at the same time, then something has gone very bad. Is that they all do different things, and that like as one center rotation, they're the Power Rangers. That's not how the Power Rangers worked. Because the Power Rangers were like individuals and then they came together and all of their things complement each other at the okay. same time okay but what if ennis Cantor had robert williams's athleticism and what, what if robert williams, williams had al what horford's iq <laughs> that's what i'm saying maybe they are the power rangers well if they can do some sort of weird frankenstein science to kind of combine all of those players together maybe but um i don't think ennis Cantor has a good uh that's not a good metaphor or something like captain planet was when our powers combined I mean, that's a similar situation. Uh, Captain Planet and the Power Rangers were the same shit, except one saved the planet and the others were just weird. Fighting. Weird colors yeah. And shit. Well, well, Captain Planet was a separate entity. You see, like their powers combined to create Captain Planet. And Power Rangers, like all five were still there. They were just like together in a, a, a like their own kind of like, what's it called? Uh, or those transformer type thing where they were all basically, they're still there. Captain planet's his own guy. And so I don't think either situation really applies here. I think what Annis Canner was trying to say is that all of the centers uh, do something a little bit different, which is they fine. Don't. But it's not they a good, it's do. not a good theme for a superhero. It's like this superhero, maybe it's more of like a, I don't know, an X-Men. I don't know shit about superheroes. Um, so I don't really want to uh, dive into All that. I know about superheroes is that I am a superhero. Uh, now I knew that was coming. <laughs> Um, the, my other favorite thing to come out of, uh, training camp, or you're still laughing at yourself for that one. That was a dumbass comment. It, it very much was, but we got two, two possible best shape of their careers, uh, situations uh, right now with Grant Williams down. What was it? Eight pounds. And then Rob Williams gets the shout out today coming into, uh, camp in great shape. So you knew this was going to happen. I think we've, we've seen it across the league, either muscles going up. Or muscles, but Tyler Hero apparently put on like 15 pounds of muscle. But um, you've you've seen them. Tell me about if Grant Williams and Robert Williams are the best shape of their life. It's hard to tell. <laughs> <laughs> we watched 38 seconds of a scrimmage today. What about in the so, in the um, press conference? Did they seem uh, best looked, shape of their life? How did looked, Grant Williams look? They, he looked in in fine shape, but he never looked like he was overweight or anything like that. I, I do think, you know, he he said that he put on weight to play center and then never really took it off and had to play a lot of power forward last season, which would make sense. The The offseason was shorter than anyone expected. And if 
if he, you know, planned on that time to lose a little weight, then he didn't have much time to lose a little weight. Um, so I do think it's important for him to get a little more athletic and that doesn't have to be by losing weight, but you know, that if he's going to be a switching versatile defender, which I think is his premier path to playing time, sort of a PJ Tucker role, then you've got to be able to stick in front of guards and you've got to be able to give them problems. And I don't think he always did that last year. Um, he definitely fouled way too often last year. So if he's in better shape, that, that's important. And then Robert Williams, I think it's very important that he's in shape. Uh, it's very important that he spends a lot of time on his body, on his health, on his maintenance, because that's what's going to separate him from the player he's been um, and you know, becoming a starting center, a top tier center if he does in the league because his gifts are clear his his passing is clear his everything is like the guy is very very extremely talented uh, and has come a long way he just needs to stay healthy and I think that the transformation on his body from when he first got to the Celtics is crazy like his his first summer league he he couldn't even run into a screen like he he was out there gassed after like five minutes in summer league, and to go from that to now being a super energy big man who hustles after rebounds has a huge offensive rebound rate, hustles into screens has become a very good screener a very active guy someone who Jason Tatum says is one of his favorite players to play with maybe he said his favorite player to play with ooh um, maybe and- that means he's the starting po- uh, center. I think he and Al Horford could both start. What gives you that uh, indication? That just maybe... hearing Ime talk about um, how, how effective Horford, Horford is uh, while playing power Horford forward. Be at, at four. And then Ime also said that uh, Schroeder and Richardson give them, you know, veterans off the bench. Uh, so I think Unless he's he... planning on starting Neesmith, it seems like the, uh, the starting yeah. five might be uh, locked in there. Uh, yeah, I, I at, at this moment with hardly any information, I would guess that it's smart at point guard, Jason and Jalen at the two and three, and then Horford and Robert Williams at the four and five. And I don't know if that's the right move, but I do think it's it's what they're going to do. And I don't think they'll play like that a lot with those two bigs, but I do think that they could start that way. Was the the Ime's comment on uh, Time Lord being in best shape of his life, was that something that was just like, talk about Robert Williams, and he kind of mentioned that, or was like someone who has a direct question about like, what's his, uh, what's his, is he in shape right, right now? No, it, it, was, it was about, I think it was just like, discuss what Robert Williams has done, and he said he's in great shape, uh, and then said, you know, kind of, that one of the focuses for him is just body maintenance, and you know, put putting that work in so that he doesn't have to deal with the injuries that he's dealt with in the past. Cool, 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 cool. Um, I'm trying to think of any other things that came out during media day. Any other notes that you have? You were there, like you, like I'm, tr- like nothing really stood out from um, the interviews I can remember. Peyton Pritchard got some uh, some compliments today from Ime, but I'm sure that was just because he was asked directly about Peyton Pritchard, but. Uh, Anything stand out from the past couple of days of interviews um, just in terms of personality of the players, interesting tidbits that people said. Um, Dennis Schroeder apparently didn't never had like never had an opportunity to sign that crazy max extension in the Lakers. That wasn't uh, uh, 
so he said that the contract was never on the table, but he also said that the Lakers offered him a contract and he didn't take it. So it's kind of unclear what was going. He said uh, uh, at the end of the day a lot in his quotes, um, which uh, is just kind of weird, weird speak. Uh, anything else that comes out of media day from uh, the Celtics perspective? You were there. You've been listening to all these interviews to like players. What's been interesting to you that if that we haven't mentioned? Well, one thing I did. I, Obviously, I should have known this. Uh, one thing I didn't realize is that so many of the p- best players are familiar faces. You know, with Al Horford back, Smart, Tatum, Brown, Ennis Cantor is going to be in the rotation, I'm sure. Like, it's just a lot of familiar faces. It, the Celtics had an offseason where so much changed. And then I look around and I'm like, is these guys are all familiar to me, you know, <laughs> except Schroeder and Richardson. Like they're the only key pieces that the Celtics have never had before. So it's, it's interesting. Um, and I, obviously I should have known that I'm an idiot. I cover the team, but that kind of stood out to me. And then Al Horford just seems excited. He, he seems extremely excited. You can I see had, him be visibly excited despite wearing a mask. Just I like had, I had more than one Celtics employee say to me, like, wow, Al, Al is, jacked up al, <laughs> al, al is al is excited to to get going and it makes sense like he had a sh- very difficult year in philadelphia and then followed that up with playing on an oklahoma city team that stunk so bad that they asked him not to play for the second half of the season so it's been a long time since he's played basketball it's been an even longer time since he played basketball on a team that you know expects to accentuate him and and give him a chance to not only compete and win a lot of games, but also get back to to playing good basketball. So I think Al Horford thinks he's pumped and jacked. He's stock, pumped and jacked. Stock is up right now for Al Horford. It's it seems like he came in sh- into camp motivated to uh, kind of repair his standing in the NBA after a couple years that, for various reasons, um, just didn't go as he planned. One thing I noticed when the Celtics sent out their official training camp roster is Al Horford is like six or seven years older than everyone else on the team. Like he is the OG of the team. He was born in 1986 and the next youngest player was born in 1992. And then pretty much the rest of the roster is like 96 through 99. Like, thank God for us. That doesn't make me feel old. There's no one born in the year 2000, but like, Al Horford is six or seven years older than every single other person on the team, which is pretty wild. But I like like Al Horford as the uh, as he's the older vet. than the kid. He's the yeah. only one older than the kid. I used to be younger than every player on the Celtics team when I first started covering the team, and now I'm older than everyone but Al. He's the he's the only person older than me, which is kind of wild. Uh, but a true a true you OG. Stole my point. You yeah, no, but it's point. different because. Uh, Oh, no, yeah, you said the exact same thing. We're like the same fucking age. Yeah, that's uh, the conclusion point, I came to. Yeah, no, that's on me. Hand up, hand up. We're in an era of accountability uh, where you got to be direct and uh, engage in conflict. That's my bad. I wasn't listening to you uh, while you were talking. I was looking at the Celtics roster, and that's uh, that's on me. Final thing to say. Oh. oh, do you have more stuff? No, go ahead. I was just going to say I have to give a big shout-out to my main man, Nick Friedman, officially an assistant coach with the Charlotte Hornets. For a while, he's been a lot of negotiations all summer. We knew this was coming down the pipeline, but 
The man is in the league now, no longer a player development coach, assistant coach. He's going to get in that uh, coach's union. He's going to get that um, that pension. Uh, just congrats to Nick Freeman on uh, uh, making it in the league. Does that mean he's a, the Hornets are a favorite to nab a playoff berth? I would say not necessarily his coaching, but maybe the addition of Kelly Oubre uh, has a big impact. Um it's funny, I'll, you hear a lot of talk coming out of Hornets camp about how Terry Rozier and Gordon Haywards are the big leaders of that team, which is just like hilarious to me because Terry Rozier in Boston was not, I wouldn't say he displayed leadership qualities, and Gordon Hayward uh, doesn't want to be the center of attention uh, despite what he does when in contract situations. He doesn't also seem like the rah-rah guy in front. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of happens uh, with Nick Friedman and the Charlotte Hornets. Is Nick Friedman potable? Nick Friedman is absolutely potable, and I should have just screamed, anything is potable! There you go. But I forgot. But thank you, Jay. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Tune in next time. We'll be back with more Celtics coverage from anything is potable! The rare double scream. Caught me off guard. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.